0: This is a Channel 101 podcast.
1: Hey, everyone, all five of you and whoever checks this out. If it gets shared by the guest, this is Primetime Files. I'm Todd Donald, and this is a podcast where we hang out with the people who have made or performed in Channel 101 shows over the years. Channel 101 being a monthly festival for short TV shows that compete for votes from the network, a.k.a. you, the voter. And it's now in its 20th year, almost three years old, is our audio-only show's counterpart, Frequency 101. Now, yesterday, I put up an episode with Abbott Gaith. Abbott hosts a show on Shrub Home Video, Rob Shrub's place on the web. For my money, the best browser-based TV station in the universe. And while I'm a fan, I know it's got some hardcores who you can interact with on the SHV Discord server. And if they're listening, you may also know this gem of a person, host of the Kali Kazoo Show. And I'm talking, of course, about Cali Fontecchio, a.k.a. Kali Kazoo. Now, you'll hear me talk about this. I saw her on a bunch of Channel 101 shows, but it wasn't until 2016, when she was a guest on my favorite podcast, Jonah Radio, that I found out she's also a stellar singer-songwriter. The song Clem, come on. Fantastic. When you add that dynamite personality, musical talent, an abundance of seafoam and everything that surrounds her, with her talent and work in the animation world, well, you just got a magical, animated, musical, seafoam, beautiful monster. Please welcome from the conversation i recorded from my old podcast in january 2021 kali kazoo You've made it now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Finally. <laughs> it's about uh, time.
1: <laughs> I'm going to say this on the record, too. I was telling you before, it means a lot to me that you're game for being on the show. I've been a fan of your music for a long time. I think your artwork is fucking rad. I love that you're a Trekkie Aww. and a David Lynch head. There's so many <laughs> things we could nerd out if we had the time, but thank you, thank you, thank you.
0: I mean, thank you for being a fan. Damn. Hot diggity <laughs> damn. Damn. <laughs> it's much appreciated
1: and if i'm remembering correctly you're the reason sorry
0: oh what were you saying i'm the reason for what now
1: (laughs) oh you you posted something about it being david lynch's birthday and then that made me you know remember oh david lynch i haven't watched twin peaks in a while and i said you're you're the reason inadvertently that i got into twin peaks again i don't know about you oh nice when i was a teenager the first time i watched fire walk with me like the movie I'd never been more disturbed or frightened by anything.
0: I know. It's pretty intense. I I got into it way later in life, but I grew up really, really, really liking the video games Silent Hill. Uh, Those series of games, at least the first few, they're heavily inspired by Twin Peaks.
1: (laughs) Silent Hill, the movie, I think was filmed where I live not in the house oh, no. <laughs> but like in this in the nearby cambridge um, which is pretty neat the
0: the movie is basically just like a like a violent grotesque thing whereas the games are like a lot more nuanced and psychological and artistic and, and twin peaks esque whereas the movie just seems like a <laughs> like a slaughterhouse movie i <laughs> I, did, I went to go see that in the theaters and i was like <laughs> cuz i was pretty young <laughs> so i was like really 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 disturbed well, now that I think about
1: it, I don't know a lot of movie adaptations of video games that were ever like you know as good as a good. video game or good. <laughs> yeah.
0: The thing is, it's it's translating one uh, medium of art to another one, which doesn't always work. Right. The whole reason the game is so good is because it's a game.
1: <laughs> That's true. You know? And you're a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Uh,
0: exactly. I
1: think, I think Stanley Kubrick could have done that, though. He could have made. I mean, it wouldn't have like pleased all oh, the game yeah. fans, but he would have made something that was lovable for oh, us. Man, freaks. Yeah, no,
0: I would have liked that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do you like Silent Hill or no? You you're like indifferent about it.
1: Oh, I've never played the game, but I'm imagining the game is better for some reason. <laughs> you
0: know what's weird? Uh, and I was reminded of this when I was watching. Saturday Night Live a year ago, or I don't know when it was a couple years ago. What's his face? Jon Snow. I forget what his real name is. (laughs) But Jon Snow from Game of Thrones uh, was hosting, and he was like, well, you guys probably know me from Game of Thrones, or you saw the movie I was in, Silent Hill, (laughs) which he was in, like, the second one. And I was like, oh my god, he was. No, not Sean Bean. Sean Bean's the older guy. Uh, Anyway, he was in that terrible. I didn't even watch that one because I was burned by the first one. So I was like, I'm not going right. to watch the second one. So you're one saying, you're saying he was
1: the guy, isn't it?
0: <laughs> he was the guy and I guess he gets killed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why we're, we're just talking about...
1: <laughs> no, this is what I like. This is what we I can like.
0: talk about something else.
1: <laughs> Let's talk about you then.
0: Me? <laughs> okay, sure.
1: <laughs> I noticed uh-huh. like my internet connection in the Arctic is choppy at best. So I haven't been able to watch, but you get notifications <laughs> when people are doing lives, Abbott is doing lives, you're doing lives and with Abbott and
0: Oh.
1: And so I'm never able to like watch and see like yeah. w- what it is. Is it a talk show? Is it a regular show?
0: Oh, this on Instagram? yeah oh that, so i'd never really done a lot of them and then the last few days because i forget why i just felt like playing silent hill i hadn't played it in like 10 years and i was like i'm just gonna play it live so i don't get creeped out okay uh, and then at some point abed joined just just to keep me company <laughs> <laughs> so nothing exciting just That's, you know <laughs> silly
1: if if willie roberts is making tea i'm down for watching it if i don't have uh, bad internet <laughs>
0: He's such a positive person. I love Willie. He, he's a very positive and, and just so talented. Because I remember when I first went to Channel 101, which was like was over 10 years ago now. It was like late 2010. I think August 2010 was my first screening, uh, which I remember it well. Because it was uh, Gigabots with Brendan oh. Campbell or by Brain Campbell and I think Manchevitz, And then uh, it was uh, Abed's Toon Wolf. What else was there? Oh oh and then uh, Kate Freund's The Typewriter episode right. 2 I think or 3 I don't know but it was weird because so I already knew some people at the screening just from animation in different places like so it was weird so there was a guy that was around that was animating on Rob's show which I guess had just ended earlier that year of uh, the suits Right. It's the uh, there was a guy I went to college with And I saw him at the screening I was like oh And then I also saw people that I knew from animation Like Eric Bauza and Matt Danner Because Matt was in La Typewriter He w- he played the guy character in La Typewriter And at the time he was my boss at Disney uh. <laughs> And then Eric Bauza I've known I had known for years So I just I went into it and I was like I already felt comfortable Because I was like oh I already know people here But then I met you know that night I met like Abed and Mike Chillian the following day, I went to Rob Schwab's first ever... Well, it was technically Rob and Dan's, but I later found out Dan had nothing to do with it. He just came and appeared. But it was Rob and Dan's found crap at CineFamily. And that's when I ran into Kate uh, when I was get, waiting in line to get popcorn and mm-hmm. I just approached her cause I was like, Oh, I, I went to the screening last night. You were, I loved your show. You were amazing. And I really genuinely, I was like, you know, and she was so nice and was talking to me and we were, I was telling her how I loved Francais Gall, which was, I, I recognized some of the music and she was like, Oh, you like French pop? 60s music i was like yeah so then i think she sent me like she promptly started talking to me online because she sent me like her playlist from the typewriter because there were some songs i didn't recognize and i was like oh what was was that one song but then i basically i so i i started going every month and i just slowly became friends with everybody and it was weird i i think i don't know if it was july or august so it might have been a month before I even went to a screening I was working at Disney and I met Alex Hirsch who was at the time working on Hooks. and at that time Justin had just ended writing on Hooks. him and uh Jackie Bruce Green were writing on that right and Justin reached out to me I think on Facebook I don't even know what prompted it I don't know if it was related to channel 101 because I feel like at that point Justin barely ever went to Channel 101. He had stopped going. Right. But he messaged me saying, Hey, I see that you work at Disney and and, and I, I, I worked on fish hooks and I don't I forget why he was reaching out to me, but I remember his name popped up when I went to the screen and I was like, oh I know that guy. He he said that he worked at Disney or something. <laughs> and then then I found his podcast where you know Ava was on and Avid there was an I episode about Avid talking about him getting arrested for right. for uh, uh, unpaid parking tickets and <laughs> this whole nightmare story and I was like holy sh-. and then I just realized that everyone was interconnected and that Chilean and Bowser were really good friends and I was like oh well I just immediately got like pulled into this whole world of people and everyone was so friendly and kind and it's weird to describe right. and think about now but yeah my closest friends now like Rob and Kate are two of my favorite people of all time and then yeah Abed Constantly I'm always talking to you. and I've, I've Done a lot of stuff and hung out you know With Chilean over the years and It's weird to think that I just like met All these people all at once and now They're just like such a big part of like my life right. <laughs> Anyway Oh, Erin Pierce too later on. I, I first, she was around, but uh, I didn't really start talking to her till like a year or two later. Oh, oh, see, the other person that was at the screening that I already knew from work as well, because I was working, or two years before, I was working at this small studio called Six Point Harness and Bowser worked there, but so did uh, Julia Vickerman. And that's how I knew her as well. So I already knew a bunch of these people.
1: Right.
0: (laughs) It's super weird. And so, Aaron, at some point in 2009, Julia invited me to the set of Yo Gabba Gabba because she knew I was a big Devo fan. And I got to meet Mark Mothersbaugh for the first time. And then I got to hang out with him a bunch more after that. But it was all because, you know, she introduced me to him. Aaron was around because she was one of the characters in the costume. And she also did one of the voices. But like, I didn't know who she was. And I didn't really talk to her until years later. But it, it was all like my drummer or my drummer now, Evan Sinclair, he was around too during Yo because he worked on the show as well. It's just weird because there's just all these people around and, you know, like, it's it's strange to think about now.
1: <laughs> I'm partially talking to you right now, but I'm also partially feeling like I'm listening to Paul going like, oh, you know, and that's how I met George, you know, we're hanging out with the Rolling Stones. You heard of them. We're in the club. You know?
0: I wish I was George Harrison. Are you kidding me? <laughs>
1: oh, God, same. <laughs> we can't both be, but... Uh, yeah. um. Um, (laughs) And I'm going like, yeah, yeah, Paul, I know, Rolling Stones, right? Eating popcorn.
0: Oh, uh, I'll, I'll take Paul, too. I, I mean, I would take any of them, but probably if I had to choose, I would be George. I, I mean, I would take any of them, but probably if I had to choose, I would be George.
1: Well, mm. if we're talking about the solo stuff, I'd like <laughs> go by year. Like, 71, it's a toss-up between, like... Oh, and, I mean,
0: Paul's album, I love Ram. Ram same. is so good. That's one of my Ram favorite Ram on albums. is, like, the prettiest songs ever written.
1: I used to play anyway. Monkberry Moon Delight at clubs with, uh, with a buddy Monkbury, of mine.
0: Monkberry Night. <laughs> <laughs> <I was just laughs> impression of it.
1: Yeah, Such
0: a, Oh God! Now I'm gonna listen to that. Album.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and like, oh dear boy
0: oh, uh, boy. oh
1: What's the one? I bet you never knew, dear boy. Whatever. Man, d- you sound doesn't... just
0: like him. What the fuck? <laughs> you I, got a I great d- voice.
1: I've done a lot of Beatles in pubs.
0: Hachi machi. I I did my first ever Beatles cover band two years ago, and it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Speaking of cover bands, maybe I'll skip ahead. Fuck it. The Get Back Gang. There's only one person I have left to get on this podcast who's in the Get Back Gang. And that's, Kelsey? Uh, that'll be Kelsey. I fucking love it. Like, I found out about it after the fact. You can find <laughs> it on the hashtag Get Back Gang. I'll link you. You guys are fabulous. I love it. Tell me about how that came oh, together.
0: Oh, thank you. Oh, we have an Instagram, too, I think. The get Back Gang. Or at Get Back Gang. Oh. I haven't logged into it in a while. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But before I like found any of the music, I just like, oh, I'm a big fan of all four of them. Whatever they do together is got to be awesome.
0: <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, no, uh, it, it's weird, too, how it was born. Okay, so this is like some past history. When I was younger, there was this other girl in animation, Katie Rice. Mm -hmm. And we started playing uh, music together just inadvertently when we were hanging out. And she got me into a bunch of different old country that I didn't know about. Like, I already liked old country because of my mom. My mom's from uh, Nashville, Tennessee. So I always grew up with some of it. But then Katie showed me some other stuff that I had never heard. And so we started doing a bunch of duets together. And my friend, Maki... Tamura, he was a DJ or is still a DJ at KXLU and he recorded us and I did this country album with her, Cotton Katie and Callie Kazoo. Nice. Uh, and that was actually the first time I ever officially used Callie Kazoo as a musical act name. Right. It was in conjunction with Cotton Katie. And you could look it up. We have a, a band camp I, or I just, I put it up just because it used to be on MySpace years ago and that died. So I made a It's Cotton Katie and Callie Kazoo. Cotton right. starts with a K. <laughs> so it's like K-O-T-N Katie. And then Callie Kazoo on Bandcamp. But like some of the songs, so that what I was going to say is some of the songs we did together, I later showed separately on different occasions to Aaron and to Kate. So like I did that with Katie for a couple of years, you know, and then I started focusing on my own music, which I hadn't been doing. Mm -hmm. You know, I got distracted. But then when I started hanging out with Kate and then later Aaron, Aaron was a really good singer. And so I would sometimes play guitar and we would sing together because it was just fun. Same thing with Kate. Kate, she didn't originally know how to play banjo like from a young age. She was gifted a banjo by her brother, uh, Matt Freund, who's also really talented. He's like a really Mm -hmm. cool editor, director guy. She got a banjo and she just 100% committed. She she got like a a teacher and she just would do lessons every week and she learned how to play the banjo out of nowhere, (laughs) which is kind of hard for an adult. Can I just say like, I take for granted the fact that like, I learned guitar at such a young age. I learned when I was nine it's so easy to learn things when you're a kid. A, you have all the time in the world and you just absorb things differently. But Mm -hmm. like Kate committed and, you know, learned the banjo. And uh, so I was like showing her, because I was like, oh, well, you're playing the banjo. So then I would just play country stuff with her. And she'd be like, oh, what is that? And I would tell her what I was playing or she would record me and then she would give it to her teacher and her teacher would like transcribe it for her to learn to play to. Separately, I would be hanging out with Aaron and I don't think Aaron really was into country or maybe she was in a, into it a little bit, but I was showing her some like weird, obscure, old, old stuff from like the 30s and 40s, and she got really into it. I was showing her some yodeling stuff, and she's like, ah, "I want to learn how to yodel." And so she taught herself how to yodel in her car. Oh wow! Uh, what she probably already said on in the podcast, or maybe she didn't. I don't know, but uh, she taught herself how to learn. Because it's really loud because you're, you know, singing, but you're also, it's, it's not like the most pleasant thing to hear someone learn to do. <laughs> <laughs> you're changing octaves, basically, is what yodeling is. That was happening simultaneously, I think, in 2013, maybe 2014. But by mid 2014, we realized that we should just all play together, and and then Kelsey also joined in because she's like, I can play the violin, <laughs> and so so that it was it was born. I think it was like after I went through a breakup and I was like sad. So, and country songs are all heartbreak and stuff. So like I was right. in the mood for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, so uh, uh, we just started playing, and then yeah. It was fun. We just haven't played in a while. You know, oh, busy I,
1: people. It'll never die. It'll never die. Not in the hearts of... I'm, like... Um, need, needless to say, though, all four of you were in a band with three of the coolest people ever. Does that make sense? Or did that, like, have the opposite effect? <laughs> yeah, her? yeah. Fuck.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, like... Kelsey's one of the funniest people I've ever met and she's so talented and pretty and, and smart and awesome. And same with Kate. She's also so pretty and talented and sweet and kind And same with Erin. She's also so funny and pretty and sweet. They're basically, my description of all of them is similar. They just have different personalities, but like I feel the same about all of them. It's fun. You know, like I I always try to like, it was just like a fun thing to do. So I never, you know, like maybe depending on who you ask, I'm like, I always just thought of it as like a fun thing. You know, like I didn't take it like super seriously. (laughs)
1: Well, it's like the, it's like the If That makes any sense. It's You know, the
0: things. Yeah. You know what it is? It is like the traveling Wilburys. We're the travelers traveling Willberries, Yes. But girls. <laughs> oh man, who would I be? Okay. I'm really torn about that too because, oh man, I, I love Dylan. Dylan is like who I wanted to be when I, like when I was a kid, I wanted to grow up to be Dylan. So like that's, but I also as a kid was obsessed with Roy because
1: mm. my
0: mom, my dad was like the Dylan person, but I love, but George Harrison. So like, I don't know. Which one do I choose? I don't right. know. <laughs> Which one am I? I mean, if I had to pick Oh my god. I guess Dylan just cuz his <laughs> lyric writing. But Roy has got that beautiful silky smooth voice. Right. Oh, if I'm I was in, really a Wilburys, up in this uh, I- <laughs> imaginary thing.
1: Why not? If I was in a Wilburys thing, I love all of them, but Jeff Lynne is sort of who I default am cuz I think of things in there recording layers and Oh
0: man, he's so good too. See, that's they really are a super group.
1: Mhm. <laughs> That's the first time i heard. I think there's I a joke heard.
0: about that on Community, and I laughed so hard, <laughs> so hard. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. First time uh, ever heard. Wait, what
0: was I gonna say? Oh yeah, yeah. So, do you know Jeff Davis?
1: Not personally, but of course. Uh, I, no, I, I mean, do you know? <laughs> I spent years listening to him comp troll the shit out of the best <laughs> podcast ever fucking made. Oh, and right, right. I know that you were some of the kalakazoo music was. um
0: Yeah. And this, this I was this, on a few of them. I always would. I would go to the shows and and like kind of like look at Jeff, and he'd be like, "Oh, we're gonna play some music by Cali Kazoo," and I would be like, "Yes," (laughs) but I would always go there in person to make sure, you know, it would happen. Uh, But like, uh, so Jeff, I drew a drawing of Roy Orbison, and Jeff Davis was like obsessed with it, and he's like, "I need this," and so I sold him the drawing. At some point, he showed it to Jeff Lynn, who he's friends with. So Jeff right. Lynn, who knew Roe Orbison, saw my drawing of Roe Orbison and said, oh, that's pretty good. And I'm like, ah!
1: Oh, man. <laughs> anyway.
0: Yeah, like... I, if- I feel like I'm just bragging now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, there we were in the studio with Michael, you know, thriller <sighs> and everything. Yeah, so Jeff Lynn. Like his positivity comes out in such a very subtle way that you know if he heard a song of yours and he heard a song or he heard a song of mine and he's in the room and he just went I like that yeah that I would that would make my fucking life.
0: <laughs> no, I know it's I see the thing is every time something like that happens to me I'm like I'm I'm amazed and then when I sit now like at times like right now where you know you're forcing me to reflect on things <laughs> I'm seriously like so fucking lucky all the people I've crossed paths with, like it's, it's kind of stupid. <laughs> like just the inadvertent way. And you know, it was never it's weird because you know you go into life doing what you're doing, but and you just you don't imagine who or why you'll cross paths with somebody and then you know, you do and you're just like, that's crazy. <laughs> 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 that's that's, that's, that's...
1: A broken record thing about the way I feel about the people I have on that I talk to. I don't measure people in terms of like how successful they've been or feel they've been or not. I measure people by the joy that they've brought me with their work. And to... There you uh, go. That's smart. The tip of the iceberg for me with you is that you sport on almost everything two of my favorite colors. (laughs) I don't want to guess the names wrong, but I can tell you that I was seafoam so foam green. Yeah, I guess as a kid I called it aqua. That's probably way off.
0: I will say this is this is my description of the spectrum of colors. Uh, okay, because obviously the seafoam was like a contrived kind of name that was kind of came out of like the '40s and '50s Americana, you know. So if if you're looking at you know from the greenest the greenest side of seafoam would be mint mm-hmm. green. It's like a green that has a bit of blue mixed in. This is painterly sort of person talking. <laughs> and then seafoam is in the middle, whereas aqua is got some green in it, but it more leans toward blue. Right. And turquoise w- is like a darker shade of seafoam. So it's it's like with more, you know, it's it's it has less white in it. Right. <laughs> if that makes sense. Oh. And just in terms of like color mixing that's how I think of it but I like mint in aqua just the same because like I say it's in the the greater seafoam family
1: right yeah they're in the family what, yeah. what, what do you know you're some sort of animator visual artist person
0: <laughs> they're like it's like a you know they're in the same uh, monochromatic sort of world yeah <laughs> Well,
1: as a kid, I loved seafoam so much that I got my parents to paint my childhood room uh, that color and the carpet was changed Aww. to be turquoise. It's pretty pretty sweet. Damn and you. What would you call the member of the pink family that complements your uh, seafoam? Oh,
0: I just call that like pastel pink i don't have anything fancy for the pink because i like pink but like you know why i like it is it also looks good with seafoam because they're they're sort of opposites because the exact opposite of turquoise would be orange so like pink is sort of adjacent to orange because pink is just like orange except with a little more red in it and a little nice. more white in it <laughs> nice
1: you talking Painting. about colors I'm just like is, picturing paint you talking about colors is my coffee music from now on um, <laughs> Put it on a loop
0: <laughs> but you know the thing is this is the thing i like so uh, my my whole apartment and also uh, cuz you mentioned in earlier my roommate spencer crittenden i painted his room more sky blue but uh my room is more of a minty seafoam like lighter And then the living room is more seafoam. And then my bathroom is like kind of a dark seafoam, more toward aqua. This is my theory about it. I feel like it makes me feel better, which, you know, you you wake up and color can affect how you feel, you know. And uh, I feel like it makes me it gives a sort of ethereal kind of uh, naturalistic sort of sense. Like it's almost like reminiscent of the sky or like, you know, because outside, you know, like outside the sky is kind of bluish but a hint of green and you know trees and so it just makes me think of that just makes me feel good (laughs) that's my psychology behind it It just just makes me feel good that's wonderful
1: and the coffee's done i'm gonna sell this i'm gonna sell this as like the ultimate coffee music you talking about visual and color and um (laughs) What would you say you identify more as between like, just a funny side note, whenever I tell people about your music and show them your your art, I never say your name without saying both of them. I don't know if that's weird. Like a lot of people in my life have gone like, I can't say your name without calling you Todd Donald. I always say your first and last name together. For me, every time I mention your music to someone, I'm <laughs> like, this is Kali Kazoof, Kali Fantecchio. Like I can't complete the sentence without saying both of them. <laughs> and uh so that's
0: interesting
1: I, oh you got to check out her mu- cali kazoo amazing great visual artist like I, I have to it's weird I also
0: don't know. thank you for promoting me so much oh yeah <laughs> that's so kind of you i'm so always that- amazed when anyone likes my music honestly <laughs> <laughs> You know,
1: the Beatles, you know, John huh. Lennon famously didn't like his own singing voice. And I, and I think even Roger oh, Daltrey yeah. might have said something to the effect of not liking or not thinking he was a good singer. You know, for me, they they do it for me when they're singing. So how do you feel yeah. about your voice? Because when I, when I hear a song and I, I know it's you singing it, I'm instantly like, ah, OK, I'm in for this.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because uh, I actually probably prefer my singing voice over my talking voice. <laughs> Like my talking voice, when I listen to it, it's teeth grating to me. Like (laughs) I read a whole thing about why that is. I mean, well, one of the aspects of why it is, is we, you know, because what we hear in our heads is not what we're hearing in reality. Because the ear mechanism that's in your head is built to protect your eardrums from the sound of your own voice. Because technically it's very loud because it's in your body and coming out of your body. So there's like this mechanism that sort of mutes it a bit technically. I don't know what the technical term is, but sort of like muting, which makes it sound kind of, you're just used to it. And so that's right. why when you hear a recording of yourself, it's, it's horrifying. Cause you're like, well, that's not me because <laughs> it's not what you hear in your own head, you know? Right. And also I feel like and I can be kind of too sensitive about this too, but a, a few people over the years have made comments about my like laughing sound or laughing too much, or that I sound like a hyena. Was one that stuck out in my head when I was very young, and I was just like. Uh, and every so often that pops up. We're just like, oh, she just giggles. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's true, but you know, I. I I don't know, but those yeah, nuts. I can be kind of those sensitive nuts. about it. But like, so, but my, my singing voice I worked on over the years. Cause I wasn't like a good singer growing up. I have some recordings of myself when I was young and very nasally or always trying to impersonate someone I liked. Right. And then, you know, I had a band in high school and I still have those recordings and I'm just like, Oh, <laughs> and then even like early on when I, like when I sang with Cotton Katie and Callie uh, I was getting slowly better but it wasn't till I got singing lessons finally after I recorded the first album that's when I decided I was like oh I want to get singing lessons and I got singing lessons and then now the way I approach singing is completely different and I think I'm, I that I that I am actually a lot better than I used to be I wouldn't say like I'm amazing like there's some people that just naturally sing really well like like I would say like Aaron Pierce does that she just naturally has a where I've had to work at it for a really long time but now I'm I'm a lot better technically about how I approach it so I I feel proud about the progress I've made Mm -hmm. (laughs) with my singing voice so I I'm fine with my singing voice you know sometimes I hit notes and I'm like well that's just because I hit the note poorly but like the sound of my voice generally I like I think (laughs) So this, there's my long-winded answer to your question. <laughs> oh, no,
1: as far as animation goes, I know you recently can't be the most recent thing, but you did the character design for Kate Freund's animated short, which I loved. Uh, and I've, I, I could tell it was you, of course. Oh, anyways, thanks. The lead character was wearing a, a very <laughs> stylish uh, seafoam and pink combo. So what, <laughs> what? How long ago does that go? Like drawing?
0: Just in general?
1: Yeah. Take me back.
0: Let's see. I was very little, so even before I remember. So probably like, you know, two or three (laughs) so long ago that I don't recall, but my mom saved drawing. So that's, I know that it in fact happened, (laughs)
1: but uh, I I think I loved you when you sucked, honey. I'm kidding. I don't know your mom. Sorry.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, like uh, I think when I was like four or five, I forget exactly when, but I was enrolled in art classes I think because I was held back from school for being dumb. Uh, so then my mom was like, well, I got to do something with her. So she took me to like the recreational park center thing that had like classes, like cooking classes and tap classes and ballet classes. And I got kicked out of all of them and was terrible uh. and distracting then until I did art and then, you know, then it clicked. So I've just been drawing since forever. But it it wasn't until much later that I realized like, oh, this could be a job. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of curious. You know, about. I I think, huh?
1: I di- I didn't mean to cut you off.
0: No, you didn't cut me off.
1: If you, you don't have to name the year specifically, but like, how young were you roughly when you were adamant about the idea of it being your job one day, but have had no idea whether or not like that could happen? Like there was a threshold, obviously. So in
0: high school, they kept jamming the idea in your head, like, oh, if you don't go to college, you'll work at McDonald's, and I was like, okay. Uh, (laughs) and so then when I really had to think about it I was like the things that I liked doing were like drawing or writing and I almost considered writing just because like so my dad um, for a living he would do like ceiling and wall textures so he'd be in people's houses all the time and I think at some point he worked for someone who I think at the time was the head of Long Beach State's like English department or something like that and he showed her like some poem that I wrote which I had entered into a contest and I won and then I went to a different regional section and I won that thing and whatever blah 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 so he brought it to her and she was like oh she's 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 really good or whatever like uh you know if you ever want to get her into here I'll push her through but like the idea of going to a real college did not appeal to me whatsoever (laughs) so then I was like well I could go to art school and my dad told me about. He's like, "Oh, well, a lot of times I drive by this art school that's on the other side of LAX, which is like the the main airport in Los Angeles, Los mm-hmm. Angeles International Airport." From the Snoop Dogg zone. Uh, it was zones. just so, but so I lived on. I lived in El Segundo, which is the other side of LAX. So on I left the other my side there. is
1: Westchester. Sorry, I'm being a total idiot. Oh to do that. yeah, yeah,
0: that's a tribe called Quest. Yeah, no, that's yeah. that's about my town. On the other side was Westchester, and there was this. A school called otis college of art and design which originally used to be in downtown la and it, it's a it's an old school and parsons which is a famous fashion school split off from otis it used to be one school mm-hmm. but uh it was just on the other side you know it was really close to where i live so i was like yeah i'll go there I, I didn't do any research other than the fact that like yeah i'll go there and i think when i was a senior in high school i went to like the senior art show at otis just to see and i was like this is cool whatever okay <laughs> <laughs> I applied there and got in and I got a couple of tiny scholarships just for submitting my art to different things at my high school. Uh yeah, I went to to Otis What's up, buddies? Kayla here, host of the podcast Screen Vomit, which is a movie podcast for geeks and freaks of all kinds, breaking down films from the last 10 years, joined by people in various aspects of the entertainment industry, including musicians, filmmakers, and even several 101ers that y'all know and love, including, but not limited to, Alex Kavitsky, Anna Saragina, and even Todd Donald himself. I love movies. You love movies. I've never met a 101-er who doesn't know what a movie is. But even if you don't, maybe you'll learn a few things. So check it out, Screen Vomit, wherever you find your podcasts. So the first year you can't enter your major. It's called foundation year, which I think is different than some other art schools where everyone's basically doing the same things. They're learning a little bit of everything. And then you decide what your major is. And so then I went into digital media, but I still hadn't like, I hadn't set my like sites directly on animation. Animation was always like an elusive thing to me. Like I didn't know a lot about it, but I always liked it. Like cartoons growing up, you know, everything I drew was, Basically very cartoony. But, you know, I also was really into video games. So I actually, my initial intent for going into digital media was like, oh, maybe I'll do concept art for video games. Because at that point, the only job I had had other than working in a restaurant, I worked for my history teacher's startup company for a cell phone video game and this was (laughs) before cell phone video games were really a thing (laughs) so I was like whoa weird and I got to be the art director (laughs) at age 18 like it was literally the day after I graduated high school I started hanging out with all these like weird 30 year old geniuses that were all like they had all just come from like Carnegie Mellon building uh, robots for surgery or something (laughs) Like just really smart people that they saw where things were going. They're like, oh, we need to get into cell phone video game, whatever. And I was like, I'd never heard of anything like that. And they're like, it's very big in Japan and Europe and it's (laughs) going to be huge here. And I was like, oh, okay. That was my um, first foray into the art world was video games.
1: I just imagine like, get out on the ground floor, see? It's going to be the new big wave. (laughs) (laughs) I
0: mean, honestly, I mean, not that I like it's not a big deal saying what my age is but i'm not going to say what it is but this was like i actually had to buy a cell phone just to like work at the company cuz so i could test out the thing so this was like like 2005 or something which you yeah, know that's a lot like that's it's a little bit before you know the iphone and all that so it really right. was like a weird concept to wrap your mind around <laughs> why would you play video games on something so tiny yeah. and like shitty
1: Oh, Znake, this is fun. Can I make a call on this still?
0: Yeah. <laughs> you kids. Basically. Yeah. God, it's so fucking It's so weird to think about now. I definitely I'm I'm in that weird generation of transition where my generation basically saw the end of and the beginning of what we live in now, which it's very weird. So I guess, you know, millennials. You know. i
1: I'll, I'll, I'll pitch I was born in the mid-80s. So if that just helps you know how much we yeah. relate or not so whatever millenni-
0: you're also a millennial yeah <laughs> yeah
1: elder millennial thank you um, <laughs>
0: yeah
1: <laughs> before you knew it you were doing animation and character design for well 101 like googie gumball no big deal <laughs> looney tunes fucking- oh the first
0: thing i did was mcbusters oh <laughs> i could tell you my channel 101 history Sure. Well, I mean, I started earlier, but basically, OK, so I arrived in the scene on Channel 101 and, you know, there's there's like some girls. But basically, you know, I appeared and all the, the men were like, "Ooh, new fresh meat. <laughs> 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 and <laughs> Kate and Kelsey are like, in my mind, are like the rulers of Channel 101. So really, oh, in my sure. mind, like the I'm just making a joke, about <laughs> you know, just like when a new person arrives, it's right. like, you know. New person, you know, because it's all the same people for years. I mean, people will come in and out. I don't know. I ended up hanging out and dating uh, Mike Chillion and uh, he was working on McBusters. And so I worked actually, no, technically the first thing I'm okay. So that's the first thing I drew on was McBusters finale. So episode three of McBusters, I drew some scenes But the first thing I appeared in was Abed's finale. It wasn't supposed to be the finale, but the (laughs) third episode of Toon Wolf. I'm in the background because my friend Matt Danner was hosting it, and they just needed bodies, and it was a Halloween sort of party. So I brought some people from work. I was working on the Looney Tunes show at the time, so I brought my friend from college, Brian Newton. We went to the same college, but not at the same time, but we worked together on the Looney Tunes show. So I brought Brian Newton who later became a director on Rick and Morty, which is because of me. I hooked him up with uh, Justin Royland and that's how Royland met Brian Newton. Anyway, just going to humble brag there. <laughs> but, uh, and I also brought my amazing artist friend, uh, Stu Livingston, who is an award-winning director, uh, Emmy award-winning director, co-directed the Hay Arnold Jungle movie. And it's done a million other things. But anyway, if you watch Abed's Toon Wolf, the last episode, episode three, you can see me, Brian Newton, Stu Livingston, dancing around in the background. And I'm dressed as like Devo. (laughs) And that's when I met... Tommy Meehan from the Manx he was wearing a Devo shirt and was there and we were like oh (laughs) Devo that's my my Tommy impression oh cool Kelly (laughs) but uh, I met him and then the following month I started hanging out with Mike and we started dating and then Tommy came over and he was also working on McBusters and I was like oh I remember you from you know the Toon Wolf shoot (laughs) I started hanging out with Mike and Tommy when they, it was basically the, at the very beginning of the manx and I was around for that. And they encouraged me to start recording. And that's how I started. That's how I started working on my first album because I hadn't written really music in years because I kind of had just given up a little bit (laughs) and Tommy and Mike were very supportive and were like, you could do it. And I was like, okay. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm actually, yeah. On the first thing they ever released, it was a split with a couple other artists uh, but the first thing that they released as a bunch of songs was their EP. And I'm I'm featured on one of the songs. And we do a cover of a country song from uh, the Andy Griffith show, which I later did with the Get Back Gang. Nice. Which is uh, There is a Time.
1: <laughs> I'm looking at this board uh, with the all the wires connected by needles. I'm like, it all connects. See?
0: See? <laughs> exactly.
1: I'm eating this up. By, by the way, do you need help cleaning up? I noticed you dropped a bunch of names there so i'm just kidding wow
0: okay the thing is i am really bad about that but how else can i explain you know yeah i have to you know tell who 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 and why
1: my my fondness uh sometimes forgets that people are not familiar with me and i was really just making the lamest joke possible (laughs) are you are you at a point now like with your work that you don't question yourself too much of what you're doing or do you still seek out from people that you trust Challenges or criticism.
0: Uh, Oh, always. I, you know, the thing is, I am always pushing myself to try to be better. And I always like to get feedback from people like so I've been working. I won't say what it is, but I've been working on this secret project and the three people I trust the most that I, that have seen it. Okay. There's been a few people I've expanded it, but initially as I was creating it, which I was at the time doing it daily. I had, I, I came up with this secret project because I needed something during quarantine. So I wouldn't lose my mind every day. I would send it to Kate and to Rob and to Stu uh, Livingston, who I mentioned earlier. Also my friend, Stephen Reedy Later on, I sent it to my friend, Matt Chapman, who's the home star guy. We worked together years ago at Disney and I love him so much, but like, (laughs) I always run it by people just to see what they think, run, you know, drawings or ideas. I don't like just staying the same. I want to push myself to do new things. Like, so this was my first uh, sort of attempt at writing. I'll say that much about the project, but like I constantly, you know, try to draw better. I try to write better, try to sing better. (laughs) Like that, that is the nice thing about time and experience. You know, I mean, the bad thing is, you know, you're slowly dying, but (laughs) the good thing is you're slowly getting better at everything because, you know, like I would say I'm every year I get a little better at all the things, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm still, I'm still reaching for the goal. Like, I feel like if I'm always reaching to be better then at some point in, in there, someone will think I'm really good. Right. <laughs> I might not think I'm really good, but you know, oh. so that's, that's the thing about like art, you know, and music. I do it mostly for my own satisfaction. And I feel like when I was younger, kind of got lost in it a little bit, you know, cause you know, the social media and whatever. And I would sometimes feel like I was trying to please other people. And then once I realized, I was like, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. And once I decided on that, I've been much happier. I basically follow that. And 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 that doesn't necessarily mean I'll be like as successful, but I'll be successful in my own mind of like happy with what I'm producing. Right. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. And the only way I know how to do this is to, to talk about myself for a minute. But I, in no way am I feeling like people need to know more about me. No, go for it. <laughs> Maybe we're kindred spirits in this, in that when it came to music or anything, or even podcasting, mm-hmm. like the last few years have been like all of the things that I don't like about putting a podcast out there, is that just for me personally, my comfort zone, I'm an only child also, so like my comfort zone when it comes to making things and sharing it with the world or anybody, whatever, I feel like I'm in the, most, the best and most productive place in I'm doing this for fun. No one else is seeing it. I'm in this place. I'm in this place. But you do that for so long, there's no other voices or ears connecting with it. And then I'm like, what does this even sound like? Is it anything? Is it just garbage? Like, I don't like (laughs) the way I measure myself has to be outside of that comfort zone, like putting it out there, but not the only thing that I've gotten better. I mean, I've gotten better. My evolution has had to be in figuring out what I want the stakes to be. Does that make any sense?
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm spoiled in the sense that I throw things out into the void. And for some reason, there are people out in the void receiving it. And that I do get pleasure from people being like, oh, this is cool. And I'm like, yay. But for the most part, I, I initially did the thing that I did just for my own satisfaction. Like last year, I was rewatching Deep Space Nine. And it was right nice. before René died. And I was doing like this Odo drawing and I was like, yeah, I haven't drawn Odo in forever. And uh, you know, like putting that out into the world and then he like died like a week later or something. And I was like, fuck, oh,
1: damn
0: it. <laughs> it just made me so sad, but like I would equate it to that. Like, and there's nothing wrong with this. And I, and I've probably been guilty of this before too. Like, Hopping on a trend train and like uh you know posting fan art just to get like come look at my stuff or come you know whatever
1: no shame but no shame. for the
0: most part I I only like to put out things in the world that I'm genuinely a fan of like whether that's covers of music like with the Get Back Gang like covering uh Skeeter Davis or Carter Family or Johnny Cash or something or you know drawing Star Trek fan art or Star Wars fan. Art. It's because I genuinely love these things. And then, you know, just drawing my own stupid shit just because I feel compelled to. It's a weird thing. I don't know. I, You know, with people that have to express themselves visually or musically, it's a weird thing to describe because obviously you go through ebbs and flows where you're not as, you know, I'm not making as much music or I'm not drawing as much. You know, I feel like I go through phases and I try not to be hard on myself about it. I'm just like, I'll go back to it. You do. It's a weird thing because it's like you feel compelled to, like you have to. It's almost like, I mean, this sounds stupid. But it's like you're know, like breathing. Like sometimes if you think about breathing, you can. At least for me, like I, you know, I, I suffer from different forms of anxiety, but sometimes I can get anxious even about breathing or yawning. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh it's it's like that art for me or art and music for me are like breathing. When I think about it too much, I get anxious. But for the most part, it just it happens naturally. If that makes sense. I can
1: connect the dots. If I need to, I'll, I'll uh, <laughs> present diagrams on the, the Instagram post for this episode. It's yeah.
0: that gif of like the lady looking around at the, the triangles and shit. Sure. <laughs> A squared plus B squared equals C squared. <laughs> Listen, you know part, what I'm saying.
1: I do. Part two or three of Kali Kazeef, Kali Fantecchio on the Todd Donald Show will need to be just focused (laughs) on the 24th century Star Treks, because those were the ones that I grew up with. Like, I was watching Next Gen when it was on the air. Not to brag. (laughs) I did too a
0: little bit, but I was too young.
1: I don't remember how many seasons. Like, it might have been like... (laughs) The series finale.
0: So my brother was a big uh, Star Trek fan. Like when I was really young, we would watch all the movies, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, my brother and I would play. He had the card game, the Star Trek Next Generation card game. So I would play that with him or him and his friends. And then my dad brought my brother and his friend to a Star Trek convention in Los Angeles. And I tagged along And which my dad snuck me into he was like oh these prices so when he got his hand stamped he ran over and smushed his big giant man hand onto my little tiny kid hand (laughs) to get the stamp like the you know like those glow in the dark or like you know under a black light kind of stamp (laughs) snuck me in and I think like it was like you know it was the height of all that time so it was like I think Patrick Stewart was there William Shatner was there like I vaguely remember it because I was just too young I just remember the whole like to-do of my dad sneaking me in right I clearly remember that and then I remember you know seeing Deep Space Nine on TV and not really liking it I thought it looked too dark (laughs) or something but it wasn't until Voyager and not even until like a few seasons in did I start getting into that and I was like I like this. This is my Star Trek. That was the one that was my favorite. And then I later went back and started watching the others. And I was like, Oh, now that I'm older, I understand. Cause I was just too young. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was a big Star Trek fan. I remember when I was a kid, I, I would get Star Trek and Star Wars confused just name wise, but I, I hadn't seen Star Wars. My dad was very funny in the way he would present things to me or my brother. He would always present me with music chronologically. Like, you know, like Bob Dylan or the Beatles or U2 or whatever, he, he'd be like, all right, now that you've listened to this album, now you get the following album. Oh, <laughs> you know? that's so cool. So he did cool. that kind of with movies. Oh, yeah. I remember I remember clearly when I got Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band and I hadn't heard any of that, like any later Beatles. Like I just hadn't. How would you in the normal world pre? I mean, there was Internet, but whatever. You're not looking for that stuff when you're like 11 years old. (laughs) Uh, I must have been 10 or 11 when I got Sgt. Pepper. And like I remember my mind being because he wanted me to experience it like how he experienced it which I, I really appreciated. Just like this, like, you know, progression yeah. instead of hearing different things at different times. I heard, I was listening to the early stuff and then the later stuff.
1: Musical parents um, take notes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it was the same thing with movie type stuff. So I remember clearly the age when my dad was like, I think you guys are ready for Star Wars. <laughs> and he had them on laser disc. So it was like, you know, the, the original movies. I think it was around the time that they were touching them up Right. Those versions had been released but my dad had them on laserdiscs so whatever. Right. <laughs> uh, but I remember you know and then going through a very clear Star Wars phase uh well, yeah. especially my brother he was always into the ships for both Star Trek and Star Wars. But like you know we would make little home videos with micro machines of like you know we had like the Hoth planet or like half of the Death Star and we had the little figures and I'd come up with little dumb stories and things and he would do all the technical aspect, like the camera work and shit. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) Just dumb bullshit. I was super into that. And then, you know, as I got older, I think it was around that time when the, prequels came out and those were so bad. that I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> no, I was basically that, that, that put me off of star Wars for years until recently. <laughs> I recently got really back into it. And now I'm like, Holy shit. I'm so into it. What's, what have I become? Cause I'm such a Trekkie that I'm like, I'm confused with myself right now. I just watched all of clone wars and now I'm watching star Wars rebels. And I'm like, this is so good. I love it <laughs> so much. And I, you know, Mandalorian and all that. And I'm like, Oh my God, what have I done? Right. <laughs> My friend got me into watching them because uh, I had watched The Mandalorian and one of the guys who does The Mandalorian, who's an animation guy, Dave Filoni, uh, had come from doing Clone Wars and Rebels. And a lot of the stuff they were referencing, they're like, oh, this character is from Clone Wars. And I was Uh like do I need to watch this? Because like, <laughs> obviously you can watch it and not know that. It doesn't matter. But if you watch it, then you're getting so much more like enjoyment. It's like if you watch Picard out of the blue and oh, without so having good. seen oh, Next God Generation. You could still watch it, but obviously you're not getting out as much out of it as you would if you were a hardcore TNG fan, you know what I'm saying? So it's the same thing. Now that I've watched Clone Wars, I'm like, Oh, like so much more painted. Like the prequels, I tried watching another one of them after watching Clone Wars. I was like, it was so bad. But (laughs) in the Clone Wars, I was like, it made me like all those characters. One billion times more. Like Anakin is such a fascinating and great character in Clone Wars. Like, and I was like, this is everything the prequels needed to be, <laughs> like it's so much better. Like it's crazy, and now you know I'm watching Rebels, and I'm just like, this is great. I'm having a good time. I just like, okay, I I just uh, I'm, a, uh, I'm, a fucking nerd. I like sci fi and fantasy, and I can't help myself. What do you What do you want from me? I just I don't know. Uh, I'm just super cool like that.
1: I love everything that you say. La- <laughs>
0: I'm
1: gonna uh, I'm gonna ask you to. Sort but of, I'll give you my. <laughs> There is no butt. Oh, but. I meant like
0: butts, like the behind of a human being, like okay. a fish.
1: I, I know what you're talking about there. like butts, big ones. And I, I, I'm i known not to tell lies. Uh, lame.
0: <laughs> They're big and round.
1: I, I have a bit where I say a okay, joke. What were we saying? I realize Continue. it's not funny halfway through. And then I do it insecure. Eh, 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 that was bad.
0: <laughs> you uh, just back out of the room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm not asking you to necessarily narrow it down to five, but I I listed five of my favorite Uh visual artists involved in animation that are not you because I would only have room for four. (laughs) So I made a list of five. And you might recognize the names because you're in that world. Uh, One of them in no particular order is Fiona Staples.
0: She she draws the saga. Sounds familiar. Saga or saga? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how to pronounce it, but I read the first issue of that it was really good because it was at a friend's house and I was stuck there. And so I read it and I was like, oh, it's pretty good. <laughs>
1: after I, yeah, after <laughs> I read the I first got. one, I, <laughs> I spent so much money just buying like uh, Chuck Jones, Looney Tunes, the nice, not nice. the earliest, but like one Charles
0: of the, M. Jones.
1: Yeah. A descendant of Chuck Jones, in a way, Jamie Hewlett of Gorilla's fame and Tank oh, yeah. Girl, which is how I know him. Also, there's nice. Mary Blair, the storyboard artist from all of the classic nice. Disney movies.
0: Concept artist,
1: and oh my God, her used yeah, of color—visual
0: development artist—is
1: my childhood. Like her sensibility, Cinderella. I had it on a VHS tape. Yeah, like, I know. On super low play, clamshells.
0: Michelle- the clamshells. Oh shit! I had all the clamshells, every <sighs> single one, and laser discs. But my dad wouldn't let me mess with the laser discs. As I was older, so clamshells for my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a dumb thing about Mary Blair. So I was working at Disney uh, TVA. We got special permission to go to the Imagineering Library, which was only for Imagineers, but I was working on Mickey Mouse shorts at the time and Paul Rudish, a wonderful boss, who, uh, by the way, you know, designed uh, Clone Wars 2D animated thing with Gindy Tartakovsky, but 3D Clone Wars, the designs were still pretty reminiscent of Paul Rudish's genius design. But uh, anyway, he got a special permission for the Mickey crew to go into the Imagineering library and I checked out a book and the only other people that had checked it out were uh, Mary Blair and uh, another Disney artist. But anyway, no one had checked it out in like 50 years. (laughs) And I checked out the book. I literally went through a bunch of books looking for famous names and I just wanted my name to be (laughs) on the checkout card next to their name. (laughs) There you go. That's a self-centered. That's, <laughs> that's
1: <laughs> No, you're not, but the, like keep in mind that was a story that started with Here's a dumb thing about Mary Blair.
0: Hey, it's a me Mario.
1: Love channel 101, but hate looking at shit. Try frequency 101. All you gotta do is record an audio pilot, make it five minutes or less, and submit it to... SUBMISSION 101com The listening audience will vote for the favorites, Mamma Mia, and the top five shows will return next month. And don't worry, it's all audio, so you won't have to look at any fop-dongs. FREQUENCY 101! You won't have to look at any dicks or buttholes! That was just my, my lead into <laughs> to going like, what are yours? Who would you give your highest Oh, my top five?
0: Well, it? okay. I, I can't do it in any particular order. And if I have to do it off the top of my head, from any time period? Any time period. Oh, my God. My brain. I'd probably, I would also say Mary Blair, big time. I would choose uh, comic artist Christoph Blaine, who did one of my favorite comics, Gus and his gang. Yoshihiro Nightow, who did Trigun. I mm-hmm. love his art so much. And uh oh my god, this is really hard. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if I really put you on the spot, I can cut it out. Uh
0: no no, 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 let me I can think of two more. Oh my god, my brain. Uh, <laughs> Wait, okay, who did I say? I said Christoph Blaine, Mary Blair, uh Yoshiro Out I mean, also fucking I'm going to throw in Miyazaki. He's so fucking good and then uh this is really hard to do on the spot
1: yeah i know i oh I, I realized god. that was poor podcast Jesus etiquette. Christ. you're in a room you're in a safe room <gasps> you can all you see is but just, you know you want, want me to
0: make noises <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. the fifth
0: one uh fifth one okay wait, 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 i can i can conjure this out of my brain
1: okay okay
0: Ooh. oh my god no <laughs> yeah
1: i'll give you jamie hewlett if okay, i can yeah. sub jamie hewlett i love gorillas i love tank girl but i'm gonna take you out of that spot and fucking rob shrub oh. who's in in four days three oh, yeah. three well, days Rob's from now amazing. on the 29th of january celebrating the yeah how many years of scud How many I'll, years? I'll, I'll put it in later
0: <laughs> scud
1: the disposable assassin <laughs> yeah, there you go.
0: cut me I, out saying i don't know <laughs> I'll just say him as my fifth artist uh, (laughs) because he's great too. I love a lot of artists. It's really hard to just pick five. It's like cruel. That's a cruel thing you asked me to do.
1: Part of me was going like sadistically going like, what am I thinking putting this? But I'm, I I wanted to put, I wanted to make notes.
0: Very mean. I'm sorry. You're not a nice person. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You're Canadian. You're, you're overly nice. Uh, (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, uh, uh, Scud is amazing. I reread it recently and it's just so funny and well drawn and well executed Mm -hmm. and everything. And Rob is one of the most amazingly talented people ever. Did you watch? Have you watched any of the Champone videos or no? Yeah, and
1: the first one I saw was actually the night that I recorded with Kate. It was a found crap and she was the guest, I think. And uh, it was really cool. Like some of the stuff was from Canada and I'm like, it's not fucked up because it's Canadian. This is funny, but <laughs> the...
0: <laughs> Wait, so is that how you got into Channel One Was because of Scud? Because it's um, just unrelated.
1: Completely unrelated, yeah.
0: So weird, right? I, w-
1: I was dating someone like who introduced me to community, and I was obsessed with <laughs> anyone involved. I was listening to Harman Town when it started from Canada oh, week wow. to week, downloading it.
0: I went to the first ever Harman Town. I don't even think it was recorded, the first one.
1: They were just You're live now. shows, right?
0: Yeah. He would just talk. It was actually kind of boring. <laughs> I mean, well, was there was fine. no Spencer was yet. Fine. You know, I do The first one I went to, Jeff wasn't even there. It was just oh, Dan wow. talking. <laughs> <laughs> See, when I first went to Channel One, Community was on air, right. but I hadn't seen it. Uh, then people kept mentioning it. You know, like, oh, I'm going to be on the next, and I was like, what? What are you talking about? And they're like, it's a show on NBC, Harmon, you right. know, over there, and they point at Harmon, they're like it's his show, and I was like, oh. And then I was actually at my friend Danner's house. It was either the Halloween that I, I went for Abed's Toon Wolf shoot or it was the following Halloween. I think it had to have been 2010 around the Toon Wolf shoot. They were watching the Halloween episode of Community. And I was like, What the fuck is this? <laughs> this is so good. They're like, this is Harmon's show. And I was like, Oh, and they're like, see that character's name Abed. And I was like, like, are Abed? <laughs> because right. <laughs> I knew Ovid before knowing community and I was like oh and then I started watching and then I was hooked and I got to go on set uh for season three when Rob Schaub directed uh the Law & Order themed episode right <laughs> Rob um Uh, invited Mike Chillian to be the courtroom artist in one scene. (laughs) So Mike was on set all day, you know, because you basically can't leave the set because they always are getting different angles and coverage. So you basically have to stay on set and so I got to hang out with Rob behind the scenes the whole time which was way more fun and interesting <laughs> and Michael Ironside was like the guest and he was right. really nice and funny to talk to because you know we're just sitting there waiting for you know as things happen and it was really amazing just to watch Rob direct because I was just a, a whole you know a side of him I hadn't I'd seen his stuff but I hadn't seen him in action it wasn't I mean I'd never seen anyone direct <laughs> I was like. <laughs> Uh, it, was, it was a really amazing experience And I got to wander around the sets And I remember going into Troy and Abed's room And I took some really I didn't have like an i a good iPhone at the time I think I had like a really shitty one So I, I have some really blurry pictures Or I think I, I'm going to blame Mike Mike is really bad at taking pictures so They would always end up blurry But I think there's a bad picture of me Like next to the like bunk beds or something <laughs> <laughs> uh, That was really fun And I, I met uh, You know I didn't want to bug You know because I don't like I grew up in LA. Like I've lived in LA my whole life. So like, you know, I, I don't like to approach famous people when I see them just, you know, observe them. <laughs> far away. But uh, right. Rob sat me down with his laptop going like, Oh, do you want to see the intro I made? what intro? He's like, I did a whole Law and Order thing and I was like, just you? And he's like, yeah, I did it all by myself. <laughs> like, i know, like, of course I made it. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and then Ken Jong walked by and he's like, Ken, do you want to see the intro I made? It. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, this is my friend Kelly. And he's like, hi. And he's like, I was sitting between Ken and Rob, like just squished together, like, so, <laughs> so that we could all look at the laptop. And uh, we watched it and Ken was laughing really hard. And I was like, I mean, we we're both laughing really hard at Rob's <laughs> creation. Ken was just so nice. He was just like, it was one of those people where like, you know, Rob introduced me and he seemed genuinely interested in meeting me like oh wow hi you know like you know what i mean does that make sense like shaking Mm -hmm. my hand and looking me straight in the eye and being completely you know like focused on who he's being introduced to and i was like that is not the normal hollywood hello right (laughs) it was really it was really nice And, and and rob was so sweet for you know letting me just tag around behind him and i even got to sit in like a little chair next to him as he directed and watched the you know the camera it was really fun it was so fun
1: (laughs) nice did you later like Mm -hmm. find out about like what was the one that jack black produced for vh1
0: oh um my god that one i'm
1: looking at it in my mind
0: let me let me me think of it
1: acceptable TV
0: TV. yeah there you go (laughs) and then
1: uh, and then of course there was the Sarah Silverman program what did you think about like Like uh, what
0: order did I find well it was weird watching that like acceptable TV because it was all the people I was already friends with you know right (laughs) Just watching them a few years younger, and then a uh, uh, Sarah Silverman show. I had an extra layer of laughing at it because you know Rob was sometimes in episodes, and it was very Rob humor esque. So like I was just enjoying it because of that. I think like a few episodes into it, you know, there's that gag where he's in a car and he pulls up to Sarah Silverman. And he's like, Hey, same car. And she's like, oh, same car. and he just looks like he's about to cry. Yeah, <laughs> I was just like, this is That's so much more like, like, had I just seen this? Yeah. Like had I seen it, you know, without any knowledge of anybody, I would have thought it was funny, but because I knew everyone working on it, I'm just like screaming laughing. <laughs> uh and then yeah like i think abed plays a terrorist in one episode so and like like an episode with chilean ryan ridley and vache panos they're all in like a fake oingo boingo band oh and erica costa this um, is crazy
1: (laughs) (laughs) i do have two more questions that i haven't asked guests in a while but i do ask on the show and i would like to ask Mm him of you now so what's the worst thing that somebody could say to you
0: the worst thing someone could say to me. I mean, you're about to die. <laughs> know, like, what, what else? Right? Good one. I,
1: know, like, I mean, that's not a good thing right? to hear. It's just a good answer. Um, no.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a t- you're about to die and then you die.
1: You know? <laughs> In my medical opinion. I mean, that's got to be what minutes. everyone
0: says, right? Is, yeah. <laughs> if you've asked that question before, is that what everyone says? That has to be the exact thing everyone says, right? That's a first timer for that one. Are you... Ju- What do they say? Can you give an example of something that you remember?
1: Other people don't like to be told, don't like to be told. They're all whiny, bitchy people. No, Other people, the worst thing (laughs) someone could say to them is that they never try. They never care about what they're doing. The worst thing. That's not
0: the worst thing. (laughs) We're about to die is the worst thing. Okay. Can I just say that as a definitive answer that I'm right and they're wrong?
1: (laughs) That it's, it's not different for everybody. There is a wrong answer.
0: I mean, because that's not the worst thing. That's, that's what they think is the worst thing, but what they think is wrong. Because the worst thing to hear is that you're about to die.
1: Well, I think I think we've solved this, <laughs> this ongoing mystery.
0: That question is put to rest because I finished it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. I should have said, what's the worst thing someone could say to anyone? And you had it. So thank you. A game, (laughs) bro.
0: Oh, you mean to me specifically? Do you mean like a not a life or death situation?
1: (laughs) Oh, there we go. (laughs) Sorry. That's what I meant.
0: You got to be very specific and clear with me or else I'm going to go straight for the most negative possible solution. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, okay. The question is, what is the worst thing that someone could say to you, excluding death-related things? <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. And now we're, now we're getting, uh, oh, that you're stupid, <laughs> 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 annoying, terrible, horrible, ugly, pathetic, worthless, fat, lame, annoyingly smelly, <laughs> sound horrible, <laughs> so dumb. Just stop talking. Stop talking (laughs) like that.
1: The word smelly question mark just popped in there. Everything else was like dark and smelly. I love that.
0: I mean, it was all pretty dark. No one wants to be smelly,
1: though. No one wants to be smelly.
0: There have been people that, you know, probably were very attractive looking and smart and talented, but then I smell them and I'm like, well, I don't want to be around you. (laughs) Smell is important. I'm yeah, Okay, This just to put some context, I have a very sensitive nose. I can usually smell things that other people can't. The first one to notice that the gas is on is me. Like, is the gas on? There's a gas leak. I can smell gas. Do you smell that? I smell it. Not you. I smell it. What about me? I don't know. What am I talking about?
1: This gentleman needs to go to the bathroom. My nose gets me into trouble, yes? <laughs> um, okay, and what's, what's the... Uh, uh, what's the best thing that someone could say to you in the same vein of the second version of the last question?
0: You're hired.
1: Oh.
0: <laughs> you're you're hired and we're giving you so much money. You're set for life. You have no more debt. Student loan debt, gone. And you, Patrick you Stewart to wants to be with you.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. <gasps> I, I will say I... Yeah, and this is very, you know, name jobby but I got to go to his house and he said I was the first fan, maybe the only fan that ever went to his house, uh, Renee Auberginois. I met him through Eric Bauza. I had a Star Trek art show back in like 2013 and I wanted someone to host the costume contest and Bauza put me in touch with him and talked me up to him because they did like voices together on some show. And I met him and he was super kind. And then he was like, uh, come over to my house sometime. And he didn't live that far from me. So I went there and because I don't drive, I forced Chilean to drive me. And Uh so Chillian also got to hang out with him as well at his house. And he's like, he's like, yeah, this is the only time I've ever had a fan over, like ever. But he showed me his little Odo fan art corner and I gave him the painting I had done of Odo. And his office was so amazing because he was like an artist as well. He would do like these cool metal sculptures or doodles and things. had his like gold record from a little mermaid that he won you know or you know like uh he had a grammy from little mermaid and it went gold and all that because he was the chef the one trying to kill sebastian you know he he was just really fascinating and told us his whole life story with his mom being a princess i think she renounced her title she was french renounced her title to marry a canadian cuz you're Canadian so you know connecting yeah. it to you but uh uh he was just really really interesting you know cuz he he was always in films by uh he was really good friends with oh my god the guy that created mash you know the movie
1: google it Damn. if you're listening
0: if abed's listening to it then he's uh, right. just like yelling at me he had all these fascinating stories and it was really kind and nice of him to invite me over and we had tea that was my connecting cuz you said having tea Patrick Stewart I'm like, well I had tea with Odo at least. And now he's gone. And I'm Mm. very sad because he was so sweet and funny and kind. And I'm like, I need to meet Patrick Stewart before he goes. (laughs) These guys are getting old, you know? (laughs) Well if we're talking about starting if I could have
1: there you go a beer with either uh, Frakes or um, Seneca Martin Green, who plays Michael Burnham on Discovery. I'm just gonna put that out there in the universe. But goddamn it, I yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know,
0: the thing is, you know, uh, putting stuff out into the universe, it can happen. <laughs>
1: it can happen. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try to get through a quick sentence without starting to cry. But the fact that you not only agreed to be on the show and were an awesome guest, no, like seriously, I feel. Right now, as I felt throughout the entire chat, that we're hanging out, which is all I want for this podcast.
0: Well, we are hanging out. We are. Shooting the shit, (laughs) chewing the fat, chewing the cud.
1: (laughs) Just brown-banging it. I don't know. It means the world to me that that I got to chat with you right now. And um, please come back on
0: again. You're far too kind. (laughs) Yeah. I I feel like there's so much I didn't explain. (laughs) got to explain... Why I'm just I don't know. <laughs> and in a
1: hypothetical scheduling that we haven't, oh, I'll make a buffer zone of sorts. Not, I'm not going to be like, all right, it's been a month, come back on. But I, I desperately would love for that to
0: happen <laughs> again. You want me to talk about myself more? <laughs> sign me up. Where do I sign? <laughs> <Where>? <laughs> sign, sealed, delivered. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: This podcast features music used with permission from the Hollow Scene EP by Postmodern Machine. Available wherever you get bandcamp.com, but please visit postmodernmachine.com. Thanks for listening.